Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. All right, Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 says, But we are citizens of heaven. Man, we got some people that want to have church today. I like that. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting, or excuse me, we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power which he will bring everything under his control can i get an amen from someone father we thank you today for your goodness your love your presence your mercy thank you for every person that's in this room that maybe what we were talking about earlier that that resistance that inner resistance that says i can't or has been trying to stop them from stepping into the great things that you've called them to. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would have an I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me attitude today. And Lord, you would just show us what it means to be more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Bless this message today. Open our hearts to receive the truth of your word, even when it hurts, even when it offends. Lord, even when we're sensitive about things that your word talks about, let our love for you be so strong that we're willing to take that medicine when we need it because we know it cures what's actually wrong in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love America. I love the 4th of July. Uh, it's one of my favorite holidays. I, I love the colors. I'm wearing red, white, and blue right now. I got on red, red on my shoes. I love America. I love football, amen. I love the fact that in America, that when our sports teams win, for instance, a Super Bowl, I love that the fans of that sport tout their team as world champions. <laughs> Even though they've never played another country, they're world champions. That when your team wins the, the American championship, I love that that's a, that's a very American concept to me. I love, um, I love bald eagles. I love fried Oreos. I love Stevie Wonder. I love Disney World. And before you, before you go, oh, well, there's a Disney World in Paris. There's a Disney World. I'm talking about the OG Disney World, the real Disney World that started it out. Uh, I like the Disneyland in Anaheim. I like the Disney World here. I America is a wonderful place that has made some huge contributions to the world. Uh, we're not a perfect country by any means. We don't have a perfect history. We don't have a perfect past. But we have made some significant contributions to this world, not just in wars, in liberating nations scientifically, uh, culturally, hello, jazz, hip-hop, Elvis. Come on, that's some good stuff here. But according to Forbes, America has given more financially to help other nations than the next three highest giving countries in history combined together. And did you know that even currently, this is strange because I started going through the countries when I read this in Forbes, uh, we give to 96% of countries in the world. Like there are countries I'm like, they're richer than us. Why are we giving to all these other people? But America is a generous nation. But when it comes to the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to try to take this in for just a second. 
25% of all missionaries in the world come from the United States of America. 25%. Brazil produces 5%, and they're second. Okay, they're second on that list. Everyone else is just a combination of all the other countries. And, and this, this is a, this is a mind-boggling statistic to me. In the year 2000, two-thirds of the world's Christians came from countries where American missionaries represented 90% or more of the missionaries in that country 100 years ago. So here's what, here's what that is saying, is that 100 years ago, when American missionaries were going to China, almost, uh, almost like 90% of the missionaries in China and all these places that are producing huge amounts of Christians 100 years later, after these people have poured into these mission fields, come from America. So I just want to make it known, if, if I haven't told you right now, I love our country. So don't let that throw you off from what I'm about to go into. Okay, because I'm trying to qualify the fact that I love, I cried when Kyle sang Born in the USA just now. Okay, I love our country. So don't mess with that, all right? But I want to get into this scripture because I think that our love for our country, just like many other different loves that we have in this life, can easily become something that is supposed to be good, but can become something that actually detracts us uh, from being who we're supposed to be as redeemed Christians. Can I get an amen from someone? Okay, so Philippians 3, 4 says this. Now, I, I read you the text in Philippians 3, uh, 20 through 21, but Philippians 3, 4 says, this is Paul talking. He says, though I, I now I, before I read this real quick, let's just get this out of the way. Paul is cocky. All right, Paul is just straight up cocky. Paul knows that he's smart. He knows that he's accomplished. He knows that he has this huge list of things that he's done in life. And he has trouble not, do you know anyone like that that has trouble not bragging on themselves about everything they do? Don't point at people, okay? You just nod your head and pretend that they're, you're not talking about them. But Paul is like this. He says this. Listen to what he says. He goes, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. <laughs> he goes, indeed. If others had a reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Okay, so Paul is serious here. He goes, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. So he's basically saying, I'm as Jewish as you can be Jewish. There has never been anyone more Jewish than me. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. He says, I was so zealous or so on fire. I was so zealous that I, was harsh, that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, <laughs> I obeyed every single thing without a fault. I never made one mistake. So Paul is basically saying, I was as Jewish as you can be. He's saying, I was the highest nationalist that you could possibly be. I loved my country. I loved my religion. I, I, I was the perfect representation of, it was, of what it was to be patriotic, to be religious, to be Jewish. And Paul is saying that he was once the ultimate Jewish to the core. It was his pride and joy, literally his actual pride. He says, though I could have had confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I had even more. What he's saying here and I hope you're, you know, if you're not Jewish or, you know, 
whatever you're not that he said he is. Uh, I hope you kind of find here that what he's saying is it's easy to find your identity in earthly things. It's easy to go to say, this is what I am. That is what I am. This is what defines me. This is what makes me. This is what gives me uh, my, my personality. And we do this all the time. I'm a Southerner. I am a New Yorican. I am a Cowboys fan. I am a Golden State fan. I'm a doctor. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Methodist. Whatever. The list is endless. But before we start getting into all these things and ways that we identify ourselves and thinking that whatever area that we have come to the conclusion that we are is superior to someone else, look at someone next to you real quick and say, by the way, it's not. Be very careful that your enlightened mentality of things on this planet do not put you in a position mentally where you look down on everybody else that doesn't think like you. Everyone does not have to conform. Now, come on, can we at least agree with that? You say, well, are you opening up the possibility that there are people that are sitting in this room that don't think just like me? Yeah, really? Come on. Yeah, and I'm also saying that they can really love Jesus, too. They can really, that's, that's not the point. The point is not to have this kind of homogenized way of thinking where we just stamp out these different you know, stamp out these different people that are all the same exact thinking. That's really not the point. And I want to prove it to you from a scriptural standpoint before you get mad. Okay? Ma yeah, you too. Matthew chapter 10. <laughs> Matthew chapter 10. All right, check this out. This is beautiful. It says, Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first Simon, which is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Now, let's dig into a couple of these guys for a second. Let's look at Simon, the zealot. Okay, so Simon Peter, that's one disciple. Then there's a different disciple named Simon the zealot. Well, what, is, what does the zealot mean, and why is that mentioned? I want to tell you exactly what the zealots were. The zealots were a political party. They were a literal political party who many people deemed as terrorists. They were so oppositional to the occupation of, of Jerusalem by Rome, they were so confrontational to that idea that they would literally kill and get into skirmishes and try to kill Roman soldiers. They hated Rome and believed that Israel should be free, should be autonomous, not under the control of someone else, which actually is probably the right thing. They probably believed in the right idea, but the ways they went about establishing what their party believed in was very, very violent. So they could not stand the Roman Empire. And as a matter of fact, anyone that was in business or did anything whatsoever that was uh, in support of or working together with the Roman Empire, they would hate them. They would sometimes kill them. They were in, it was like, if you don't believe what we believe, we hate you. And do you know what Jesus said to this guy? Follow me. So he, says, he doesn't say, hey, let me, let me go down the list of things that you believe. Let me go down the list of all the things that you've done. Do you know what he actually says to Simon the zealot? He goes, follow me. Now, on the other hand, we have Matthew the tax collector. Well, for those that are not up on the tax collecting business, 
uh, in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus. Let me just give you a refresher course real quick. Tax collectors were completely in cahoots with the Roman government. They, it was their job to go around and collect taxes for the Roman government because they had the relationships with the people because they were Jewish themselves. So they would go around and, and, and they had a lot of power. They were the most hated people in Jewish society. If you said, I mean, I don't know, we don't have like tax collector jokes these days, but back then they had tax collector jokes. If you just could not stand these people. They were known to be crooks. They were, they were vil the villains of society, the lowest of the low, and they were in cooperation with the Roman government. Are you seeing at all where this is going? The fact that Jesus chose Simon the Zealot who completely hated anyone associated with the Roman government, and, are you following this? He chose Matthew, the what? The tax collector who was working with who? The Roman government. So what Jesus did is he took two people that had completely and totally different, not just different, opposing worldviews, and he goes, you guys are going to learn how to have a worldview that is so much greater than your old one that you're going to actually consider yourself brothers. You're going to call yourself brothers and co-laborers. Even though your whole life has been, has been spent hating one another. And can I just submit something to you real quick? This is what happens when we receive the true gospel of Jesus Christ. When we receive the true gospel of Jesus Christ... The power of the Holy Spirit expands our capacity. It changes our identity. It changes our worldview. It changes what we believe is important to us. Paul goes on to say in our text scripture from Philippians chapter 3, he says, I once thought all these things were valuable. He says, at one time, I thought all these things that I was just bragging about from my past. I thought they had value. I thought they were what gave me my identity. I thought they were what was important in this world. But he said, now I consider them worthless. Come on, this is going to be hard to say. This is going to be hard to say, but let me just tell you something. Look at someone next to you. And, and if, don't say it until you mean it. We might be here for an hour. Look at someone next to you and say, I consider everything from my past worthless. Tell them. Say it. Come on. Look at them again and say, now that I know Jesus, all that is worthless. Can you really say that? Can you really say that today? Can you really say that? It means you've got to check all your worldviews at the door. You've got to leave them there. When you come to Jesus, because Jesus goes, hey, Simon the Zealot, meet Matthew. Matthew's a tax collector. Hey, Matthew, meet Simon the Zealot. He likes to kill people like you. <laughs> it's like, oh. He's like, now y'all hang out and just follow me and do whatever. And you know what's crazy is these guys not only died for Jesus, but they died with one another. Yeah. They died fi fighting together for the faith. Yeah. They believed in something so strong. That, there were, that was so much greater than what they believed in before. They traded something for something greater. Can I get an amen from someone today? He says, Paul says, these old things are worthless to me. He goes, everything else, oh, here's the key, when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for this sake I have discarded everything else. 
counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I want to become one with Jesus today. Look, i got a lot of things about me that I could just go this direction or I could go this direction. Oh, this is what I am. That is, this, is what I, this is what I believe. And I tell you guys all the time, don't, don't be so worried about what I think or what I believe. What's your opinion on this? Those are just, those are no, they, have, they have no more value than the things that you believe or this person sitting next to you. They have no more value in an eternal sense. They're not more important in an eternal sense. Everyone's got opinions on things that they think. I don't think that you actually have to be a Cowboys fan to go to heaven. Well, actually, that's not true. You probably, to go to heaven. No, no, you don't have to be a Cowboys fan to go to heaven. You don't. Th those are just opinions. Sully's clapping because you're a Patriots fan. Stop. I don't want to hear that anymore. I'm so sick of you celebrating the Patriots. It's, so, it's not fair. <laughs> but, but what Paul is saying is he's saying all my opinions all the things I just think about life, and he adds a little caveat, while they may be smarter than yours, they're not important. And they're not, they're more sophisticated than yours, but they're not valuable. He's like, what is valuable is knowing Jesus. He goes, I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And that is the key. He says everything is worthless. Somebody say worthless. <clears throat> now see, if you're not wise, you'll just go, see, don't do anything except pray. Everything else is worthless. No, that's not, that's not what he's saying. He's saying it's all worthless. These two words are very important. Are they up there on the screen? They're all worthless. Read those next two words after worthless. Ooh. Everything is worthless when compared. He's not saying they don't have value. He's saying they're worthless when compared. Let me tell you something. Orange $500 bills have a lot of value in Monopoly when you land on Boardwalk <laughs> and you owe someone $2,000. They have a lot of value. But let me tell you when they don't have value. When you're trying to pay your mortgage. <laughs> they have no value at all. I mean, in Monopoly, if you've ever been in one of those situations where you, like, hide your money from people in Monopoly, you want to be those, like, like, you're on the deal. You're like, oh, I don't know. Do I have it? I don't know. Maybe I'll look under here. Maybe there's, like, eight of them. I don't know. Let's just see. Let me take a look. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, there's more than I thought. You're trying to be, like, sneaky and stuff like that. I mean, they may have great value. Like, if you're one of these people that hide money and you, like, look and you don't see anything, but you pull it up and there's, like, three orange and you're like, oh, my gosh, so much value. There's a lot of value. But what it's saying is that when you compare something that doesn't have that, what, excuse me, what it's saying is when you see something that has true value, the things that don't have value eternally become so obvious to you. You have to have perspective on what it means to have Jesus as your ultimate identity. Now, look, I want to tell you a story real quick about Jesus to show you what he's talking about, the way we have to put these things in perspective. So I want to set this story up like maybe one of our Saturday afternoons as a family. Sometimes as a family, on Saturday afternoon, the kids are like, hey, Dad, Mom, can we go play football today at the park? Yeah, that sounds fun. Let's, let's, get, you know, let's pack some lunches or something. Let's, let's go get some drinks, take a little cooler. We'll go out there, we'll hang out, we'll play football, we'll throw, throw the baseball around, it'll be great. Sometimes it's like, 
Hey, mom, dad, can we go to Disney? Yeah, sure, that sounds great. Can we go to the beach? These are family days. Okay, I want you to imagine this family day is in Jerusalem during the times of Jesus, and the kids go to mom and dad that afternoon, and they go, hey, mom and dad, can we go hear that guy Jesus that's been, like, t preaching and all these cool things? Would happen? Mom and dad are like, yeah, why not? It's family day. It's cool. I mean, we don't know what this guy has to say. Maybe he's like some, you know, amazing guy that everyone's saying he is. Okay, guys, get the cooler. Uh, pack the Diet Mountain Dews. That's the nectar of heaven. You know I like that. Uh, let's get everything together. We're going to take it down there, and we're going to do a Jesus day. So they get to Jesus. Luke chapter 14. It's like, Mom, Dad, your dad's got the little girl on his shoulders. You know, they're all like, they're all like looking. Okay, let's get a place. Because it says large crowds were traveling with Jesus. You know places that have large crowds? You know how you want to like claim your spot early? You, you ever do that? Like you claim it and you like stand there with your arms crossed looking mean at anyone who thinks about bringing their crew anywhere near yours. So like this is what happens. Like they got their spot. They get there early. And Jesus, this is what it says. It says Luke 14, 25 through 27. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, they're like, Shh, kids, be quiet. He's about to talk. He's about to talk. And the kids are just like, like, okay, here we go, here we go. This is what we came here for. And here's what Jesus says. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, and the dad's like, huh? <laughs> Wife and children, the mom's like, huh? Brothers and sisters, and the brother looks at his sister, he's like, yes. <laughs> yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And the dad goes, come on, guys, let's go to Dave and Buster's. <laughs> and he storms off. This kind of idea, Jesus actually said that. You're, you're, think, you're thinking to yourself, there's no way that Jesus said that. Of course, he did say it. He turns to the crowd, and he says this. You know, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yet even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Then he goes on and says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. This idea, what Jesus is trying to get across here, is that when you experience the kingdom when you experience my kind of love, you are going to discover that the love I have and the love I give and the love that I offer you, the love that I enable you to have for me, if you let go and you love me the right way, is going to be so beautiful and so powerful and so strong that even when you compare it to the highest earthly love possible, which is what? Love of family. The highest earthly love possible the love that you have for family, even though it's beautiful and it has value, the love for your family is going to look like monopoly money compared to the riches of the love that you have for God. So Paul goes deeper, okay, about knowing this love. And he goes, I want to know Christ. I want to experience his power. I want to suffer with him. I want to share in his death so that in one way or another, I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. He said, I haven't figured all this stuff out yet. In verse 12, he goes, but I'm, I'm pressing on toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, the perfection for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. He goes, I haven't achieved it, forgetting the past, looking forward to that what's ahead. I press toward the mark for the prize of the, of, for the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. 
He goes, let us agree on these things. We must hold on to the progress we've already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after me. Learn from those who follow our example. What example? A change of allegiance from what you used to love to a new life. He's saying, follow after me. I was the ultimate example of someone who had this established worldview, and I traded it all for a better one. My old life, when I view it again, it's worthless compared to what I have now. Then he goes on to say, I've told you before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they're enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about this life here on earth. I hope life is about more than the colors of my clothes. I hope life is more than just songs that are sung or the kinds of food that I like to eat at the fair or a sport that I watch on TV with my family or a holiday that I celebrate or just a place that I happen to be born. I'm not trying to devalue patriotism. I'm not trying to devalue those things. I'm saying I hope that life is so much more than just some of these little things that people want to define their very lives by. And here it is. Here's the way it closes. He goes, but we, somebody say we, we are citizens, not of Jerusalem, not of Israel, not of St. Cloud and Kissimmee, not even of the United States of America. And it's my favorite country. <laughs> no. We're citizens of heaven. We're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. Not we will be citizens of heaven. Your citizenship changed the day you met Jesus. You became a citizen. So when you look at your passport and it says citizen, down on the inside before you write USA or Puerto Rico or whatever the country is that you're actually a citizen of. DR, I don't, I'm not sure what it is. But all I know is that down on the inside, when you put your hand there, you need to go, actually, I'm a citizen of heaven, but whatever. <laughs> Isn't that the truth today? We're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we're eagerly awaiting. It says he'll take our weak and mortal bodies, change them into glorious bodies. Acts 17 says he made us from one blood, every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times at the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he's not far from each one of us. In him we live and move and have our being. What does it mean? It means you can't control where you're born. We're born all over the place. But it does say that we're made from one blood. And, and it does say that in the book of Revelation, that people are gonna be worshiping God from every nation. So nations are not the important thing. They're not the ultimate thing. So what does all this mean? Galatians 3 tells us there's not Jew nor Greek, slave, 
free, male, female, you're all one in Christ Jesus. So if our, if, 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 you know, these things don't define us, as they, it clearly says they don't in Galatians. What does all this mean? Does it mean to love your family less? No. It means love Jesus more. Does, you actually can't properly love your family until you understand the love of Jesus. Does it mean to love your country less? Is the point of this today that you go out of here and you go, I'm taking these red, white, and blue shoes off? No. Doesn't mean love your country less. It means love Jesus so much more than your country, that your love for him is solid gold compared to the monopoly money of anything else in this life. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.